everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode. My name is Shermeen and I am your co-host for today. I am joined today with my co-host and fellow POTS peer mentor Paramji. Hello everyone, my name is Paramjeet and we are so happy to be back for another episode. For those listeners who are new to Bring the Virtual Balance, in this podcast we discuss a variety of topics that relate to the dimensions of the wellness wheel with a focus on how each wellness component affects our student community. Now, before we get into our topic for today's programming, we would like to introduce our guest speaker for today. So you may have seen her around on campus, but today you'll be able to hear from Linda and hear all about what is going on. And so let's give a warm welcome to Linda Jean-Baptiste, the physician assistant from the Baruch Student Healthcare Center. Linda, if you could just give a quick introduction of yourself and your role on campus for our listeners. Okay, so I'm going to take off the mask just for a moment. I'm going to say hi. Hi, hello. Hi, how are you? Okay, so um, I'm doing the mask because we have people outside. Um, they're doing a tour, so that's why. But um, I, I know that I've been here in the health center for now that makes about ooh, six years already. But um, I know a lot of people don't know the health center because when you go to college, the first thing you're thinking about is, I want to go to school. What are the clubs? What are you know the offices that are relevant to me? Getting an interview, getting internships, and all that. The bookstore, you know, that's the main thing. Um, the only thing you think of the health center is for your MMR vaccination in order to register and go to class, and that's it. So um, I'm here. We're here. Like five, first of all, um, because of COVID, we're here four days a week. Okay, so we're here Monday through Thursday. But our Fridays are remote, so we still have visits by phone or video. Um, so that's the change that has happened with the health center. Second of all, the hours have changed too. Um, we're 10 to 6, Monday and Thursday, instead of 10 to 7, where it used to be pre-COVID, and 9 to 5 as usual, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, what do I do here besides vaccinating for MMR? We do PAPS, so there's women's health. There's also men's health. Okay, some guys, you know, if you have issues with not only, um, some guys have UTIs, others is STDs, but sometimes it's a urethral problem. We actually had to refer one to a urologist and he's young. Okay, so testicular cancer occurs as young as 15 years old. So the guy should be coming in as well. Um, we do annual physicals, sports physicals. So if you need a sports physical, you can come in. That's for the College of Baruch. Um, we also do STD screening, pregnancy tests is free, okay? And, you know, we also do consultation. It may be you just want to talk to somebody. There's some people who don't want to go to counseling center, and they'll just come to me and say, hey, I have something I want to tell you. What do you think about X, Y, and Z? So I just, you know, sit down, listen. Um, if you have any projects that your professors are asking you to do, I'm a resource, Okay. This is my first semester doing um, as a instructor for FYS 1000. So I want to give a shout out to the ETA section of FYS 1000. We just finished our last class last week and they were wonderful. The monologues, professional. Couldn't believe it. So this is my first time teaching freshmen. It was a very memorable experience. Um, I really enjoyed it. The thing was learning about Blackboard because I used to be a CUNY student, but you know, Blackboard was changed since then. Um, so I'm not only a resource, I'm also an instructor. I'm a little bit of everything, basically. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Linda, for joining us today. Um, as you mentioned, the Student Healthcare Center is a great resource on campus, so definitely utilize it if you can. Um, but yeah, we are so excited for today's episode of Bring the Virtual Balance because um, we speak about an important topic, which you also touched upon a little, um, welcoming seasons of change. I'm sure that as we are currently transitioning into like autumn and winter, we can all notice the small changes happening all around us. Uh, personally, fall is my favorite season because I love seeing the leaves change colors from like vibrant green to like beautiful shades of orange, red, and brown. And definitely the temperature is getting colder and it's getting darker outside at an earlier time. Um, and I also actually read that according to the National Institute of Mental Health, seasonal affective disorder occurs when mood changes begin and end when the seasons change. And people may start to feel down when the days get shorter in the fall. 
and winter, um, also called winter blues, and begin to feel better in the spring with like when it's brighter outside with longer daylight hours. And Ostromine also wants to sort of touch upon this. Yeah, and just like the seasons, we're all constantly experiencing like either major life changes or minor life changes that are impacting every action that we do. So as a society, we're also experiencing environmental changes. And if you checked out our previous episodes with the climate scholars, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But um, as individuals, we're always experiencing personal, mental and physical life changes. And so there's just so many things that we go through. And while some people may find it easier to adapt to these new situations, territories, surroundings, others may find it difficult and this may end up having an impact on their well-being. Exactly. We as humans may encounter so many different changes on a daily basis, such as taking a different route to school or work, um, commuting after a COVID-19 pandemic, um, switching up your personal style or like building new relationships and connections learning new skills, um, or even taking on new projects. And then we have the out of the ordinary major life changes, such as maybe unfortunately losing your job or, or maybe getting a new one, um, experiencing grief or celebrating the birth of a loved one, taking on a new role at work or school, getting accepted into a program or internship, um, or even moving to a different state or country. There's so much that we experience that influences the way we behave. Um, and through this episode, we want to help convey how we can prepare and respond to these different life changes, whether it be environmentally, seasonally, personally, mentally, um, all in a healthy manner. So first, we would like to talk a little bit about how change has impacted our personal lives, and then we'll get into the role that the role that change has on our mental and physical health. So to begin the conversation, I'm going to turn it to Linda, and we're just going to I just want you to describe like what change means to you and if they like if you've ever encountered any life changes throughout your career or lifestyle and you know these changes could be as simple as like how the seasons are currently changing maybe you're feeling a different way but how have you been able to feel um how have you been able to navigate through these major changes i know before the call we were talking a little bit about like how the pandemic has affected us but um i'd love to hear that from you linda Yes, um, actually I'm an essential worker. So the pandemic really, really affected me. Also, I had the loss of a family member during the pandemic and I still had to be resilient in helping those who were sick. Um, so I had a lot of major life changes during the last year um, and it's still ongoing. Um, my parents still have not recovered the loss of their son um, he's my younger brother. He's also an essential worker, but because the court system in New York State had shut down to protect the workers, he was also not, you know, present to, uh, you know, work in person. But they didn't have to work online because they had changed the system. Then he works in the uh, family court. So as an essential worker uh, during a pandemic. I have to say, okay, so I usually work here. It's an ambulatory care center. You have patients coming to see you. You know, it's a very relaxed environment. But when you're in pandemic mode, you're not going to be sitting in the same place all the time. And that's what happened to me. Um, I work for Mount Sinai Bet Israel um, under employee health services, business health services. And every day when I report to Mount Sinai Bet Israel Hospital, you know, the employee health service clinic, I was sent out the moment I got in. So I would be sent to Mount Sinai West, Mount Sinai Morningside, go to Queens, go to Brooklyn. You don't know where you're gonna be sent to. And the thing is, as an essential worker, I had to help other essential workers who were sick with COVID and on the phone, trying to get their history, trying to get their symptoms, trying to tell them what to do regarding quarantine. And then we had those who were leaving quarantine and it was still not better yet. Because remember during the pandemic, some people were sick more than 14 days. We had people who were still at home with symptoms 21 days in, 28 days in. And I had a lot of employees, I was surprised, after they recovered who just didn't wanna go back to work in healthcare, okay? So that's a major change when you see employees like you nurses, doctors, you know, uh, medical assistants who've given like 10 years, 20 years, and then because of pandemic, 
they had to think of, you know, should I go back and risk my life or should I just retire and take care of my family at home and sit, you know, shelter in like everyone else. So it was a very life threatening, life determining moment for these people. And also for me, because I'm traveling in the subway and you know, the subway back then they had to shut down the subway. They had to clean the subway more. They had to take out the homeless people. I could say the MTA really supported us because when I was traveling then, um, the subway was very empty. So that was helpful for me. I didn't have a lot of you know, contact with people, but during the pandemic, wow, to go floating from one place to the other, to the other, um, I, that was really a momentous time. Um, and I, I don't mind like traveling, but when you know, like you're going to a spot and then all of a sudden in the middle of the day, it's like, oh, there's a shortage here. We need you there. You know, it's kind of um, shocking. And then you have to learn the ropes of how they do uh, work over there in a new environment, meet new friends, you know, and contact people. And I did meet a lot of new friends too. In fact, after this was over later on in the year, um, a lot of them still contact me. We say hi, you know, we have contact still. So it was really a momentous time, you know. I'm, I'm a PA. I mean, once you go into PA school, it's already stressful getting in. And then being a PA and doing all this work in two years is already stressful. But I thought this was even more stressful because not only I'm helping people, I'm also thinking in the back of my mind, I could be next, you know? And, and that's the thing. And there was not enough PPE and then we're using PPE there and PPE this and then there's protocols. And I, I usually wear my, you know, a presentable attire when I go to the clinic. Now I'm wearing scrubs. I still wear scrubs. I think that's the most indelible change that I've seen since the pandemic, that now I feel I should wear scrubs to the clinic just in case I encounter someone and I'm not transferring it to my parents because they're elderly, you know, and I take care of them. Yes. Um, I'd like to first thank you for your role as an active essential worker throughout this pandemic. Um, I can only imagine the type of mental challenge you had to undergo during this difficult time. And during this pandemic, many individuals may have forgotten the importance of like the health and wellness of our essential workers. So I sincerely thank you. Um, we sincerely thank you for sharing these experiences with us. Um, and you, um, Linda touched upon how the pandemic caused a big change to different workforces and how it touched upon um, the high level of uncertainty this past year and a half caused. And to add on, um, I would definitely say that for students and many like academic workers and um, in the education system, they're definitely transitioning from an in-person to a remote learning environment, as well as for many, uh, everyone basically, was definitely a big change. And that experience in itself brought upon a lot of confusion, uncertainty, mental distress, and the physical restrictions of having to stay indoors. It was all a new reality we all had to adapt to, and it did a number on everyone's mental and physical health, which we um, have been mentioning throughout this episode. And another change that we as students all go through, um, which we were talking about um, before this call, was um, graduating. And it, graduation at like this past year and a half also has been full of a lot of uncertainty um, with like um, jobs, finding jobs, and Currently, I know a few people who are about to graduate. I know Shermin, you're a senior, and myself included, I'm graduating within next um, the next year. It's a huge change as we are all leaving behind our academic careers and moving into the real world, getting jobs, um, and no longer being a student in college. This all also comes with like having to adapt to a new routine, new lifestyle, new reality um, of, okay, we're now adults and we're now in this new chapter of phase or of our lives. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a big change to process. Yeah. And like, after hearing, like, when, especially your experience, like, for, like, I, I had, I was thinking, like, you know, obviously I'm graduating and like all these other things going on, but to think like, there's a lot bigger changes out there that, you know, it, it impacts different people in a lot of different ways. And, you know, for me, I, like the first change that I can think of, like, at right off the bat was with graduating, like, all of a sudden, I know that I want to be taking on all these major life responsibilities. And, you know, I see, I always used to see around like my older siblings are always working, they're doing 
job nine to five there it, it felt crazy to me that like you know someone's dedicating that much you know just to like you know get get there and now I'm going to be in the same shoes within the matter of a few weeks and you know although how uncertain it might look and how things might be down the road I'm still like I try to take it as positively as I can make sure that it's not impacting my physical and mental health in a negative way and that's why I think like having a session like this it is important because it keeps us informed it's like you know, even I'm struggling kind of right now, like navigating that route. So something like this is definitely going to be helpful in pe helping people cope and adjust with these changes. Um, before I even move forward, I'd like to tell you since you're graduating. Mm -hmm. um, so I work, right? I, I'm already graduating and they use me as a resource to do something above and beyond my routine. But also during that time, you know, medical residents, they have not fully learned medicine, they were tapping that resource just to help with the COVID patients in the ICU. So think about it. This was a pandemic, so it's more of a medical nature, right? But think about if there was any type of emergency in which when they had to, they lost all or there's a diminish of the resources that they already have, and now they're going into the college students, the seniors, and asking them, can you also help us? And they're tapping into you. Um, I don't know what are your majors, but I can, you know, you could think of anything that would cause such an emergency reaction or response where there's a need to even go to the senior graduating class and ask them to help with the workforce of the emergency situation. Um, that's why when you are graduating as seniors, you don't really know what will come in. And you will see your potential when you're going into that situation and see, wow, I'm learning on the job and this is exactly what I'm doing and I'm actually doing it. Well, that's where you get to ratify. Definitely, yeah. Again, like what's gonna be happening? Like so much under, like yes. not sure what's gonna happen, but it's just like maybe, even these change can be good for a good thing. It can put you in that yes. position where it's a good challenge. Yes. Um, I know I did hear in the news. So it's like during the pandemic too, I think it was like NYU, they allowed, like, they allowed their residents to like actually enter the workforce. So yes, they were actually working. Yeah. They like, actually worked and they were, and some, and they, some got sick mm -hmm. and they were in the ICU. They had to intubate. They had to do all this stuff, you know, as if they were actually graduated and had learned the the techniques and the information they were learning on the job as a pa you know the difference between a pa and a doctor doctor has four years you know they have time as a pa the first year is the literally two years of medical school all crammed up and then the second year you're in the hospital and you're on your own you've got to learn on the job see what they do is see do and teach one that's how we learn so you see how they do it. You actually have to do it. And if because you're learning the skill and you have to be really um, an expert, you're able to help your colleague in the end. Mm -hmm. And that's how PA school is. So that's how they were teaching them as if they were PAs. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, this is a medical field, but I don't know. It could happen into you know business. Mm -hmm. It could be like a stock market or I don't know. Something happens and then they said, oh, you know, Baruch is a business school. Let's tap into the senior students here. Like, we want to get their ideas and everything. And all of a sudden they're on the ball. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, wow, these kids really have potential. We got to get some jobs for them, you know, something like that at the end. So you, you never know when, you know, time rises for you to be, to shine. Mm -hmm. and, and this was a moment during the pandemic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy to think about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's um it's hard, like not hard too much, but it's more like it's a different change for like, you know, these seniors to be put into the like in during the pandemic, just be thrust into the um workforce. And it's as we mentioned before, um the health and wellness of um everyone especially essential workers um, was something that should be brought more um, awareness to um, and change is not easy and I think this past year and a half has shown that that change can be very stressful and um, one thing Shermin you mentioned was um, of having a 
episode like this is very beneficial for everyone to listen into. And I think it's also a great resource to show that you are not alone. And, and when you're having all these uncertain feelings through, going through a change. So it's also great to know when stress um, related to change may affect one's well-being. Um, and since you can take steps to like address these feelings and cope with um, experiencing very big life changes. And, um, but sometimes there's people out there who still may not know if they're feeling the effects. And so we want to ask Linda, could you take a, um, I guess a bit to explain how stress from experiencing major minor life changes affects our physical and mental health? Yes. And in your, oh, sorry. And in your time as a physician assistant, Brooke, have you seen similar situations among students? Okay, so um, when you were preparing this uh, episode, and I really like the resources you use, actually I use one of them because it really nicely outlined exactly the physical for the stress, the physical effects of stress. And, and the thing is, I'm in a medical field, so we're really looking at, oh, do you have heart rate? Do you have anything we could see? right? So that's the physical part, right? But there's also the mental uh, aspects of stress, um, which is more in, inside. So I'm just going to focus on the physical for now. So there was also, you know, they had the muscle, right, musculoskeletal system, where, you know, you're, you're tense, usually stress, you know, little stress, like I have an exam, that sort of thing. You might feel a little tense, right? You might feel your neck is a little tense here and there, and when the test is over, you're feeling, wow, I feel better now, right? But when it happens for a long time, it can cause a dis like a disfigurement, right? It can cause a muscle spasm. It can cause tension headaches. There are people who never had a headache before. They're getting migraines. They're getting tension headaches. That's the musculoskeletal. You also have the respiratory. So whatever, you know, your tense, like if you have to give a presentation in class, you might feel like, oh, I'm trying to catch my breath or I need to you know, read a little slower, breathing a little quicker. That's a normal response, right? Everything that's stressful that's to a minor degree is normal, but when it goes on and on and on and it's causing you really not to even um, bring oxygen into your body or to even calm down, then that's really problematic. And if you have a medical condition like asthma or COPD, this type of shortness of breath can really cause a really bad exacerbation, okay? Um, there's also the cardiovascular of stress, the cardiovascular effects. So usually students will come to me and say, oh, my heart is beating, am I getting a heart attack? And I will say, you know, you're pretty young to have one. Let's see what's really causing it. Are you having an exam? Is it something that triggered you? What are your triggers? So stress is really an external trigger, right? It has to be something from the outside that's causing you to perceive it as a threat and then your body physiologically responds. So that's what's happening with the physiological effects of stress. So usually it's a, you know, a palpitation, you're sweating, you're feeling a little you know, giddy here and there. And then when the stress is gone, you feel your norm, right? But let's say if the stress is gone and you're still feeling it um, and it's going on and on and on, then you've developed something internal, okay? That could be anxiety. So if you're getting like a palpitation and I say, oh, maybe it's this and that and I find out and then you're feeling better, no problem. But if you're telling me, oh, it's not that, I really have palpitations. And no matter what I do, I change your position, I let you get a, a glass of water, you know, we make you take deep breaths and all that, then it's problematic. This is something affecting you in the long run especially if you're exposed to the stressor day in and day out for days and months and years, okay? Um, the endocrine system is also affected and I see that a lot. I wanna say a lot in the student health center, especially with the women, because they'll come to me, they'll say, oh, I missed my period. Oh, okay. This is only time you miss your period? No, it's been three months. Three months? What's going on? And I'm not sexually active, you know, and they want to do a pregnancy test and they want to do all these kinds of stuff. And then everything comes out negative. And I will say to them, well, maybe it's the stress, right? What is going on? Like, is there something external that's bothering you? Are you eating healthy? Yes, I'm eating healthy. Are you going to class? Yes, I'm going to class. How about sleep? Sleep is fine. 
And then when you keep on going through the layers and then you find out, oh, this person had someone who's dear to them passed away. And then two or three months later, because usually when someone dies, the, bere the bereavement process, the grieving process can last up to two months. But anything else after that, you know, you really have to work with that person. You may have to see a counselor. And sometimes these effects occur in a physical way. And that's the loss of a period. And I remember that happened to a student. Her mother had passed away. They lived in Brooklyn. And the mother's sister, who's her aunt, said, no, I'm going to raise you. I'm going to let you continue college. But the aunt lives in Mount Vernon. So here she is. She's traveling from Mount Vernon to Baruch every day. And her period just, you know, just missed, right? And she's waiting. She's like, oh, it's maybe one month. Let's see the next month. And then she's going on and on and on until she realized, wow. This is serious. I've never missed my period in my whole life. And I'm eating well. I'm still going to school. I'm still sleeping well. And the thing is, I found out it's because whenever she's traveling, she's thinking of her mom. And I told her, maybe, maybe it's because you missed your mom. So what her aunt did is said, oh, you know what? I'm going to let you live in the dorm. You'll be closer to Brooklyn. Once she moved into the dorm, within two weeks, the period came back. Just like that. And I said, you see, you're closer to here. You're close, you're in the city. You're not upstate. That was a whole, it was a whole difference of a, of a difference of, you know, venue. She wanted to be closer to her mom. So this place was a memory for her. So sometimes it's just little things like that, that can affect you. So that's the hormonal process. Okay. Um, and for guys, that's the same thing. Um, I know young guys don't talk about erectile dysfunction. But sometimes they'll say, you know, when I'm with my girlfriend, I feel like I'm coming too quickly. What's going on? I mean, what's going on? And then I will say to them, well, are you afraid of her? Or do you feel like you're not ready yet for your relationship? You know, there may be other things in your mind you're thinking as triggers and it's manifesting in the endocrine system. Okay. Um, and then these are the others that they talked about gastrointestinal, and this is most common among college students. In fact, I can tell when that time happens because we'll get a lot of visits for what? Heartburn, heartburn, heart attack, palpitation. And why? It's midterm, all right? So when midterms come, we'll get all these visits and everything is, you know, oh, I have chest pain, I feel my stomach is bloated, I'm having diarrhea and I'll say, oh, is it midterm? Yeah. Okay. When midterm is over, you'll come back and tell me if you got the same thing and it's over, right? It's gone in like nothing. So usually these stressors that come in, everyone manifests it differently in a physical way. So for a lot of students, I, I realize college students, they tend to manifest palpitation. So there's a panic attack and GI symptoms. So there's a lot of reflux and GERD and bloating you know, especially, and it's not due to period. We're talking about, you know, when there's a midterm, especially with the midterms, because if you don't do well in the midterms, you could forget the final, right? So that's where we usually get those type of things. And it's already mid-October. So we, we kind of expect when that volume starts to come in. So those are trends that I tend to see. Um, headaches is another one too. We get a lot of headaches where students will have a regular headache and this one is a little different. And it's due to, you know, they sting up late at night trying to catch up because they didn't do well in the semester. Usually that's during the finals. Um, so that's the GI system. And then I was talking about the endocrine and, but you know, like in the article, they were talking about the usual like endocrine, uh, you know, the hormonal, the GI, uh, musculoskeletal, cardiac and respiratory. But I was also looking at um, the skin. Uh, we have some students who have eczema and they'll know when their flare-ups will come out, right? So they know they have a test. I had one student, he said, oh, I'm coming to see you for my annual physical. And I said, wow, what's that rash? That rash looks fresh. Oh, I'm gonna give a presentation, that's why. I know it's gonna come up and the rash will be right there on the spot. And then when the presentation's over, it's gone down. So, you know, sometimes the skin will show signs of stress, especially when you have a, already a condition like eczema or you know, psoriasis. So those are types of physical aspects of stress.
That's actually really insightful because as you went over some of those symptoms, I'm like thinking like, oh, this is interesting. Like this one comes up, this one comes up. Very common. It's it's actually really interesting. So I know like, so a lot of the physical effects that you spoke about are associated with like the bad stress once it's starting to like manifest in you and it's starting to show like it's your body sees it as a threat and it's responding to it. But I've also seen that there's good stress too, that there's good stress, bad stress, and then there's just like, you know, like normal stress. So um, just like if you could go over that a bit for um, this, like the listeners, what, the, like we spoke about bad stress, but what, like, what does good stress mean? I thought stress so, is always bad. Which is true. So I, I would like to, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, but sometimes midterms and finals are good stress. Um, because it's tapping into what do you know, have you been attentive in class, right? And all that stuff. And the thing is, why is it good? Because the test is for one day, okay? I'm not gonna give the stress the day after that and the day after this one and the day, you know, that sort of thing. It's a one-time thing. And the thing is the anticipation is the stress that's being brought on to you. And then once the exam is over, even if you know you did bad, but you're relieved, right? You know that it's over. It's not gonna come back to you again. So technically exams, midterm, those are kind of like good stress, okay? Bad stress would be if you're living in an abusive relationship or your parents are abusing you verbally or physically, or you're, you're in an environment where people are not supportive of you and you have to live with that day in and day out, regardless of whether you're able to perform in school or not. These are, those are bad stress. And these stress tend to linger on and on and on. And the thing is, it, there's not an easy way out. Even if you did find a way out, you have to, it's like a needle in a haystack. You pull out one and there's still always more right after that. Um, so that's, that's bad stress. Usually with the women, and their boyfriends. I tell them, you know, we, we, I know I don't screen it too much, but sometime when I see that the boyfriend's there and you say, oh, he looks supportive. But then again, is he really supportive or he's just trying to see what she's doing or he's very overprotective, right? Um, or parents, I had some parents, sometimes the students are coming to the health center and the parents have to be there. And then at the end, they wanna ask me, what, what happened to my son? And I said to them, no, in the health center, your son or your daughter has to give me permission to tell you what happened. I cannot reveal anything of the visit, even if they're 17. Sometimes, unless, of course, 17, they're minors, we have to be very careful about the minor consent and everything. We do that before the visit to allow that to happen. But once you're 18, your parents should not be the ones overriding you. Of course, if there's something medically or psychologically um, harmful that's going to harm you and we need to get help, your parents will be made aware. But in general, abusive or overprotective relationships are one. Um, and also in the environment. I had a student who said he wants to go to college, but his mother does not want him to. And it was a fight literally, and his brothers, all of them had left the house, were doing drugs, you know, prostitution and all that. And it was a household that no one cared. And he, when he came to the school to go to the library to study, he said that was the most happiest time in his life. He liked to hang out at the school because he was away from that type of environment. And I thought that was remarkable that usually parents want you to go to college so that you're not in the same boat like them, but this was the opposite, okay? So when you're in an environment like that where you're not getting support, moral support, social support, or even financial, financial is another thing. A lot of students during the pandemic were going under, undergoing financial hardship, failure to thrive, food, you know, um, food um, insecurity. We are a place at the health center, I didn't tell you this also, that you can get a grab and go back because there are students who actually need to pay rent. They're on their own. And they are de determining, should I use the money to pay rent or should I just go hungry, right? 
So we, you know, the CUNY system has created something to fall back on for these students and to support them because not every student has parents who pay their tuition, right? There's some students who actually work, pay their own tuition, and they're actually their own parents, right? So, you know, these are type of situations where it's a bad stress because um, it's something that you can't not control. Um, it's ongoing and enduring. And if you try to find a way out, you may find a solution in one place, but you're always winding up, like you take two steps forward and you're three steps back. Um, it's, you're always in a situation where you can't get out. So, you know, good stress is the minor thing. School, I usually say school is minor. That's good stress. Life is bad stress because you, you really got to deal with all these other problems. And sometimes those stressors make you dysfunctional in school and in work. Um, thank you so much for sort of elaborating on the difference between those two, because I feel like now that our like as our listeners are listening into that, they can sort of distinguish and recognize where they fall um, in the bad stress, good stress. Uh, it was an interesting perspective to see um, like tests and exams to be under the good stress um, uh, umbrella, because, you know, as students, we kind of just like, you know, we're take we're preparing for midterms and exams and that for, for us may seem like bad stress and like, but um, it's a good, it's a good to like sort of see both perspectives of it. Um, and to like follow up on that, of course, with, with changes, an important aspect to also focus on is healing um, through these transitional periods and um, this, mo these moments of stress. So we now want to ask what steps can an individual take to cope with an event that is causing a lot of change in someone's life or causing a lot of stress? And I know on campus, we have different resources available, including the um, counseling center that was also mentioned earlier, but um, are there also any other resources out there that are available to um, people who may be um, experiencing like stress or having a hard time um, adapting to change? Yes, and you see, um, I usually tell students, we all have, um, you know, some people will say, oh, this person going to the counseling center, they have a mental disorder, right? No, we all have one, technically. No one is perfect, right? So some people, they, they have a little OCD in them. Like I know in the healthcare field, we all have OCD because we love to be perfect. We love to have everything on time. You know, it's very exact. The science is very exact. And that's why this, the patients come out okay. Because if you're not exact, you're not gonna give the medication right, you're not gonna give the dose right. So there's a little OCD in our personalities, right? But it's not to the point that it's overbearing, right? So we all have a little bit of the mental disorders in, in each of us. The point that makes you go to the counseling center is when it affects your overall well-being, when it affects all the other aspects of the wellness wheel, right? So if you're anxious, like anxiety is something in, right? I have a student, oh, when I have an exam, I tend to have a panic attack. Okay. The exam is over now. The stress is over now. Why are you still panicking? Why is it to the point that now I have to bring you to the emergency room because you're hyperventilating and you're not having, getting another oxygen? That is something you need to see a mental health provider, right? Okay. Um, there are other people where um, the stress, and I was talking about the stress where you need to see other resources. So the counseling center is one. Um, there's also suicide, right? This issue of suicide where the student feels so depressed to the point that life is nothing for them. They're hopeless, they're helpless. Um, so you have the NYC Well, New York City Well. Um, I know the counseling center gave me that because during the pandemic, the counseling center weren't there but we were still seeing students. So you can't imagine when I have a student coming to me during the pandemic and asking me, I am not really feeling well. And I don't mean physically, what do I do? So that's why your resources in the New York City were still up and running and that's what helped us. So you have NYC well, and you can go to the nycwell.gov you know, uh, website they have counselors where you can text them, you can call them, they're just like a pal. And you can actually become a friend with them. 
and it's not associated with the school. I had one student who said she wanted to go there because she didn't want to see her face going into a place where students might see her on campus. So this is something outside of campus, okay? And these are professionals, all right? Um, there are also resources for help. So um, I know that I'm gonna talk about the financial because, well, I cannot give you the financial resources per se, but I do know that campus does have a um, division of financial help um, emergency fund that they have that you can go to. Um, I think it's in the Office of Disability Services, if I'm not mistaken, where I have some students will say, you know, I, I really need this or I don't have the financial means for something. And there's the, I think there's a Percy, I forgot the name, but I know there's a scholarship or some fund in Baruch that can help students and they have to be a financial need, okay? They have to be evaluated for the financial need. Um, so that's another source. Um, and there's also other sources that you students actually have while you were sheltering in. Um, mindfulness, right? Um, and for those who have a religious background, whatever religion you may follow, religion is also a good source of wellness and, and, and trying to be in tune with yourself. You know, there's someone above you, just, you know, some people meditate, they pray. Or, you know, I had some students who um, they would do a type of huddle in Zoom huddle and pray together in the Zoom. And that's how they did their, their worship, right? So, you know, religion is also very good. And if you're not religious, you can do mindfulness. You can also make it like a vacation. You know, the same way you, you make sure you have time for school, you have time to eat, you have time to sleep. You need time for yourself. So make a time, mark the calendar. Listen, I don't care. I'm, no cell phone. No, it's my time. Shut down the room. Hey, I'm going to have a movie night to myself. Or, you know, have candles or I'll be in my tub, you know, just soaking in a tub and reading a book. Do something for yourself. Reward yourself. That is also the best thing to relieve stress. So the other resources sometimes is not something you can actually, you need to call or you need to go to the student office dean of students. It could be just right there in your home, right there within you, yourself, you know, um, just meditating and all that. And I know the Office of Health and Wellness, they have uh, flies they use in a newsletter, a lot of programs, they were, there was a chair yoga, you know, they have cooking with joy, right? So all these other aspects, cooking is also good. You know, cooking is very, it's, it's rewarding because you're, you're able to create something for yourself and you can actually eat it. So learn, learn a new craft. You know, I had one FYS student who said he was so stressful during the pandemic and then he's now starting college and he had no clue how he's going to meet new friends because you can't meet in person, but the clubs, they had gaming and while they're gaming, they're showing each other tricks and then trades and all that stuff. All of a sudden he's meeting this friend and that friend. And he said, you know what? That was a really good place to go to. I want to go there again. Wow. And I, I, I was really, you know, I like that because even though the clubs are not in person, but they're able to attract the students in a different way through Zoom and, and do something that's communal. Everyone sharing something that's common among them. And, and you know, the, another good resource is to have a friend listening, to talk, to, to talk to each other. Some students, they come in, it's not for a medical reason. Can you talk to me? And they, they won't say that, you know, they'll come to the front desk, oh, I need to talk to the doctor. What is it for? You have a cold? No, I don't have a cold. Just want to talk. And then they'll sit there and ramble, ramble. And I just sit there and listen. Don't say anything, let them speak. And they just remove everything off their chest. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I feel better already. Right? Or have a diary. I know some people still have a diary. Right? Write your thoughts out because sometimes you need to get this off your chest. You need to get this out because everything bottled in when you keep it in, guess what? The people you love, the people who are around you, you're shutting them out. You're making them more distant and then you're going to hurt yourself more because you're not reaching out. You're not trying to help yourself. So these are resources. Okay.
I think you touched upon such great points um, and such great resources. Um, and I, I feel like um, students, they should like maybe look into these or utilize them, mindfulness, chair yoga, definitely having a support system or um, having your friends to talk to. There's so many people on campus you can go to. Um, I just wanted to touch a little bit back on like the counseling center and resources like those. Um, for students who might be afraid to let's say take that first step of going to these resources or they realize they, they do want to do some, they do want to make a change for themselves, um, but they're afraid to like contact or get in touch with a resource. Um, how can they minimize this anxiety or feelings of uncertainty that is overwhelming them or hindering them from um, taking that first step to, to maybe going to a resource? Yes, that's a very, I think that's a very difficult question because, you know, we'll, we'll tell them, and that's what happened with the freshman class I was talking to. You'll show them all these resources. You say, yeah, we got X, Y, and Z. You need this, go here, go there. The thing is, is having them, you see, you could bring a horse to class, but you can't let him sit and, you know, like you can bring them to the river, but you have to force him to drink water, that sort of thing. Um, that's what's the problem. The resources are there, but are they tapping into it? And the thing is, it's advertise, advertise, advertise. That's one. Second thing is to actually have people reach out. So pause is the best place because your peers talking to peers. If I go to a student and say, hey, let me help you. It's more like in a person of authority talking to a student. But if a student goes to a student and say, hey, you know, I notice you are doing this and that. Do you want to talk about it? You know, how can I help you? They're easier to tell them what's going on and that person can help them. And from there, they can reach to the resource that that was available and accessible to them. So sometimes peers are the best resources because they're your same age, they're your same, they're going through the same things that you're going through and you feel like you're the only one going through it alone when you're not. So pause, you know, the clubs are very good resources. Clubs are not just there to hang out. The club should be actually reaching out to those students and saying, we're not just a club because we do X, Y, Z, but we also reach out because if you have this problem and you don't wanna to go to the counseling center, maybe we can be the ones to get the ball rolling for you, all right? So that's why I know when I came here to the health center, they said, you're not just only in a health center, but you're gonna be also a person who's gonna reach out to students. And if you see a student that really needs you know, attention, then I can bring them to the counseling center. And I've actually had some students coaxing them, talking to them, and they said, yeah, you know what? Can you walk with me? I, I don't want, I feel, and I will walk with you to the counseling center. So, you know, the good reason, the really good resources are really the peers among peers. And that's why students have to be compassionate of each other. They have to be respectful of each other because if you're not respectful, you're gonna hurt each other and these people will just shut out. That's it. Absolutely, I think, like as long as students know that like even your own network of people and like having I know for a pause like in my pause role I've seen that happen where like people start just talking out to me and I realize like maybe you know like yes I can help you out with this and I can help you walk through this but then when I tell them like recommendations like you know there's the counseling center like they have yeah. some great resources they have the group sessions they have individual sessions that's something you can look into because you know, you want to make sure you have that in like, if you're not comfortable talking to me about all the details, you have this person who is confidential, like nothing's going to get out. I'm like, it's not going to leave the room. Right. So it's always good for individuals like us, leaders like us and us being able to help out. So um, yeah, before we wrap up, because we're nearing the end of our episode now, we do have a final closing question. And um, I guess we can go around and like say our answers for this. I guess like what is one piece of advice that you'd like to give someone who might be stressed right now and who's overwhelmed, whether it be because of the seasonal blues or personal life changes? And is there like any words of encouragement that 
you can give them as they embark on this journey that they might be taking ahead to face these changes. Just something to encourage them. Okay. So number one, stress is not forever. You will make it forever if you don't change, right? So stress is not forever, okay? So if you're going through the seasonal blues, you should be happy that the winter is not for 12 months, right? It's just for a certain time period. Second of all is to be true to yourself and actually acknowledge that you need help because there are a lot of people who really need the help but do not want to acknowledge that they have, they, they should get the help. So nothing is forever. Stress is not forever. Um, second, be true to yourself and actually acknowledge that, yes, I need to get help. And then when you get the help, actually go ahead and do it, okay? Actually follow through. It may be, nothing is easy. Nothing, no one ever said that getting over a mountain would be easy. But if you have people in your corner and you know people are there for you no matter what, you will always overcome. Nothing that's bad is ever forever. There's always a brighter light on the other side. I like building right off of that, like I've had personal experiences where that's happened. So absolutely like stress is not forever. Things will go on. And if you ever feel that, you know, it's not, it's not going well, there's always people here for you. There's people that can help you, resources that are there for you. We mentioned them here today in our conversation, and we hope that you're able to um, hopefully use them if need be, or, you know, whether it's just a friend that you need to talk to, hopefully this helps navigate a better conversation for you. Definitely. And to mirror off what you both said, I would, I would say that, um, again, you are not alone. Um, you, everyone goes through these changes and stressful um, moments. So definitely reach out to someone when you are feeling um, overwhelmed or um, just need someone to talk to because talking to someone is like, will help. Or if you don't want to talk to someone, again, like what um, Linda mentioned, um, writing out your thoughts, journaling. I personally journal, so it, it does help. Um, but yeah, just trust yourself to get through this um, change in your life. And if, again, um, if you do have a thought that you may want to reach out to someone, just go for it. Um, and yeah, uh, you got this. Um, yeah, and that concludes our episode for today. Uh, we do want to have a, give a big shout out and a heartfelt thank you to Linda for joining us today. And um, not only sharing your wonderful advice, but providing your expertise on today's topic and just having a wonderful, amazing conversation, just learning about how we can um, go about these changes in our lives and how we can take care of ourselves. Um, so we hope our listeners enjoyed the conversation held today. Um, remember, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to healthandwellness at baruch.cuny.edu or visit the Baruch Student Healthcare Center at 138 East 26th Street, Main Floor. Thank you for, thank you everyone and have a wonderful day.